This week on Making Contact. Lo sobre de mi selva que voy a perder por explotación a mí me duele mucho porque nunca... When I speak of the forest, especially when I speak of the threats and the impacts that could possibly happen to the forest if there's oil drilling, I get really sad. It really hurts me to think of what could happen, but I'm hopeful because I'm determined that we will win. I know that we will win, and we have to because we have to leave our land for the future generations. Los indígenas somos quienes cuidamos esas zonas. As indigenous peoples, we're the ones who take care of natural sites and of sacred sites because of the harmony, because of the close relationship that we have with nature and with our territories. We don't want these lands to be profaned. We are the guardians of Mother Earth. And it's extremely important that this be recognized and that these territories be protected. Indigenous people of the Amazon say that the task of women is to tell the men when to stop hunting. Over the past 500 years, human exploitation of the Amazon rainforest has turned hunting into conquest in a global system that consumes everything, land, resources, labor and products, all for profit. Today, women around the world are challenging this insatiable greed. In the Americas, many indigenous women are stepping up to say no to the massive destruction of their environment. They're in a life-and-death struggle to save their people, their cultures, their spiritual heritage, their lands, and the earth they revere as their mother. We're broadcasting live from the final day of the UN Climate Summit here in Bonn, Germany, where all this week activists have been protesting against fossil fuels. Keep it in the ground. Keep it in the ground. Women Rising Radio features indigenous leaders of the Amazon. Gloria Hilda Uchiguasanti is president of the Sapara Women's Association in Ecuador. Aura Tegria is legal counsel for the Uwa people of Colombia. They are dedicated guardians of the Amazon rainforest. And the rainforest itself is a guardian against climate chaos for all of us on Earth. Esa supuesta herencia indígena que quiere hacer una república independiente. No importa lo que digan las urnas, no importa lo que diga el pueblo ecuatoriano. Yo soy indígena y voy a mandar sobre el resto. Ya basta. That was former president of Ecuador, Rafael Correa, lashing out against a massive mobilization for indigenous territorial rights. On nationwide television, Correa singled out Sapara Nation leader Gloria Uchigua, mocking her traditional attire and calling her a clown. His remarks attest to the growing influence of indigenous and environmental movements in Latin America and of their leaders, like Gloria Xigua. When I was seven years old, there was a company that would come into our territory and they would knock down trees and we would hear large blasts and 
I asked my father, you know, what is this? And we didn't know what it was. They were doing seismic testing for oil exploration. They were deforesting parts of the forest so that they could build platforms out of cement. I didn't know what it was until someone told me, that's an oil well. As soon as they said that, I said, no way. I knew that I would not ever, and we would not ever let the oil companies come into our land. Después nosotros organizamos y a, bueno, le ponemos presidente, fue presidente, primer presidente de organización. We created our organization, the Zapata Nation of Ecuador. We elected our first president. And we actually had to organize to be recognized as a nationality because the government at that time had said that we had become already extinct. And I was kind of embarrassed because I didn't know how to speak Spanish well. None of us did. But, you know, they understood us and the government realized and acknowledged that we existed and that we needed to be recognized as an official nationality and an organization. UNESCO also recognized us and our language. And in May 2001, we had a gathering of different indigenous nations coming together in our territory. And I was delegated to represent our organization at this gathering. El gobierno respondió muy mal, super mal, contra nosotros, contra mujeres y contra niños también. Eso fue muy... Muy violento el, el señor Rafael Correa. Fue muy violento. Súper mal. The Ecuadorian government, in particular the Ecuadorian government under the um, leadership of President Rafael Correa, has not liked our resistance at all. And it has not responded well to the resistance by women. The government has been very violent against us as women and against our children. We organized a national mobilization in 2013 while the government was actually negotiating with oil companies. They were backdoor, secret meetings, negotiating our territories to oil companies and other governments. And a representative came out of this closed-door meeting. He was an oil representative from Argentina. And when he came out and he saw all the indigenous people outside protesting, he became really scared. And he actually peed his pants. The police had to take him away in a car. And the government was very upset. El boleta de captura para nosotros, para nueve personas. The government sent an order of capture for nine of us indigenous people who were at the mobilization and who had signed declarations against oil drilling. And so they had sent, basically, for us to be put in jail. Y segunda, el gobierno, yo vi en Sabatina, ya pasó mi foto en televisión, con todo mi traje. India payaso vestida. ¿Qué crees así? Then a few days later, the president gets on national television denouncing us. And me personally, they showed images of me with my indigenous dress. And you know, the president of the country gets up there to say, look at this indigenous clown. Look at how she's dressed. And the United Nations got involved and helped to absolve us in the charges. But then in 2015, there was another mobilization, massive mobilization in the country. And then I came to my house in Puyo. And we were attacked by police. 
18 police officers came in looking for me. They were trying to tie me up. They shot me with rubber bullets, and I, I felt shots on my arms. They had set off tear gas. It had knocked me down, and I could see that my family members and friends were suffering, and my children were scared. They thought that I had been killed, and they were saying this, oh, no, mommy's dead, and it was horrible. They beat me with their batons on my leg, on my back, and it was the spirits of my father and my uncle the powerful spirits of them that were helping me. I sent them running, you know, I sent them running. I grabbed a, a stick and I went after them. I'm not scared. I'm going to do everything possible to defend my territory. That's what I'm committed to. Government leaders throughout the Americas, regardless of their political leanings, have often sided with foreign companies to displace indigenous people and exploit their natural resources for short-term gain. Historically, millions of indigenous men, women, and children were kidnapped and enslaved, forced to work in gold and silver mines, on banana, cacao, coffee, and rubber plantations, in the building of dams and railways, and in the extraction of oil. One estimate counts 30,000 indigenous people dead at the hands of just one rubber company. As recently as 2007, the Brazilian Transport Ministry reported that logging corporations there employed the highest concentration of slave labor in the world. This greedy plunder was also carried out in Colombia, where the Uwa people were subjected to massive enslavement. Aura Tegria, an Uwa woman and official legal counsel to her people, recalls that history. In the first attempt at colonization, the conquistadors wanted to enslave us. So my people made the collective decision, a decision that's still very present in our collective memory, to defend the dignity of our people by committing collective suicide. The story repeated itself when the U.S. oil company Occidental Petroleum tried to come in and also take our territory from us. We again said we would rather commit collective suicide than hand our territory over to somebody who wants to just take the riches from it and kill us off. Our relationship with our territory is so central to our lives and to our existence. Our duty is to protect it. I was six years old, and I was in a community meeting in what we call an, an assembly of the Uwan Nation. And I saw the leaders 
in the meeting talking about defending our territory, about the rights we had to our territory, about the strategic defense of our territory. And I realized that that, that was so important to our people. I also recognized that I inherited this leadership role from my mom, from my grandmother. Um, and all of this contributed to the motivation to fight for the protection and the defense of Mother Earth. When I was a little girl, I dreamed of going to law school and studying law. And I recognized that studying the Western laws gave me tools to defend my people. It's given me tools, legal tools, to say, we as a people have rights, and we have rights that have to be respected. A través de movilizaciones, campañas de visibilización, denuncias, pero también de acciones legales para poder acudir al So we carried out mobilizations and protests and marches, different kinds of campaigns, and also legal action, engaging both the inter-American system of human rights, but also the Colombian legal system. And we were victorious. We were able to kick Occidental Petroleum out of our territory a company so rich and so powerful, but we were able to take them out of our territory. So in 2014, and continuing through 2015, we carried out a campaign. We mobilized, we marched, we elicited international solidarity, we started legal actions, and of course the most important being the cultural and spiritual component using our rituals and our songs and our prayers. And with that, we had a second victory. We got the Colombian government to agree to deactivate and dismantle the Magallanes gas well. This was a huge victory for us because this is a well that had already been dug more than 2,000 feet underground, but the Colombian government agreed to dismantle it and totally remove it. Both Aura Tegria and Gloria Ushigua have faced contempt and cultural attacks from their own governments, from multinational corporations, from the Catholic Church, and the global evangelical movement. The government sided with the Church when it targeted the Confederation of Indigenous Activists of Ecuador, also known as CONAI, specifically going after leaders like Gloria Ushigua. In 1992, at this time, I had two children. I had a, a boy of eight years old and a baby that was one year and one month old. It was when Konai had mobilized indigenous people in Ecuador, and I went to the mobilization. And I came back to the territory, and I was fine. But then I found out that my child had disappeared, my eight-year-old child. No one knew what had happened to my son. And this really, really, really hurt me. I asked my father to give me some plant medicine to help me die, as I didn't know what to do. So he gave me this very strong medicine. And a lot of people don't ever wake up after having this medicine. And I saw lots of things. 
but I didn't die. Eso no sabía nada qué pasó con mi hijo. Nadie tenía comunicación. ¿Qué pasó? Nunca encontré ni hueso. As we gained our territory and our rights to our territory, other indigenous peoples, some of our neighbors were not happy with this. But this was also instilled by fear from the missionaries. So I went to speak to the missionary who was in the communities. And I went to tell him directly, why are you saying this to people? We're not hurting anyone, so why are people coming to hurt me? Texaco, they had the blessing of the Catholic Church. There's video footage of the cardinal of Ecuador going to the very first oil drill. He was there to bless it. You know, I have a lot of anger towards what they have done. Gloria Oshigua went to the Ecuadorian government and demanded that the missionaries be removed from Zapata territory. Throughout the Amazon, indigenous people have risen up against the expansion of Christianity that has routinely accompanied economic exploitation of natural resources. In Colombia, the Uwa nation has also endured cultural onslaught from the Catholic Church and the evangelical movement. Aure Tigria and her family lived through that struggle. El pueblo de la nación Uwa, eh, a nuestro territorio llegó la Iglesia Católica. For the Uwa people, the Catholic Church arrived in about the 60s and 70s during a big wave of proselytization, and it caused a lot of harm for our people. The Church established itself in strategic points in our territory, and they took children and they interned them in educational centers. They made them learn Spanish, and they wouldn't let them speak Uwa. They wouldn't let them chew coca. They wouldn't let them dance. They wouldn't let them perform our rituals. It was really a cultural death for the Uwa. It was extremely sad. A lot of children became orphaned. A lot of parents lost their children. In fact, if parents tried to refuse to hand their children over to the church, they were tortured. Some of them were tied up to trees and beaten. Essentially, they tried to kill off our culture. And many Uwa people experienced this. My grandparents, my parents lived through this. In the year 2000, we, the Uwa, made the decision to ask them to leave our territory. We realized that we had rights, both on the national level and the international level, that we too were Colombian citizens and we had the right to our land and the right to our culture. It was a big fight with them. They said, no, we're here to help you. We're here to convert you to Catholicism. We're here to make you people, they said. And we said, no, we love our culture. We love our rituals. We love our language. We have so much cultural richness, and we don't want to give that up. Finally, they left. Many Catholics and other Christians have defended the rights of indigenous people in the Americas. Some have also faced violence and death for their activism. In 2005, a wealthy Brazilian rancher paid assassins to kill Sister Dorothy Stang, a 73-year-old nun from the United States. Stang was known in the region for wearing a T-shirt that said, The death of the forest is the end of our lives. You're listening to Making Contact. This week's program was produced by Women Rising Radio. 
Visit us on the web at womenrisingradio.com and at radioproject.org. The Uwa of Colombia and the Sapara people of Ecuador have also used global media coverage to raise awareness of their struggle for survival. They join forces with international organizations like Amazon Watch. For decades, Amazon Watch has brought the fight for the Amazon rainforest to public attention. Amazon Watch's executive director, Leila Salazar-Lopez, works with Gloria Xigua and Aura Tegria to rally global support for the protection of the Amazon rainforest and for indigenous communities living there. Leila became aware of the Amazon and its vulnerability to destruction as a student. I basically was going down there. I was like, I want to learn about the tropical ecology. I want to plant trees. I want to learn about the plants. Well, little did I know that there was oil development in the Amazon. I had no idea. And I found out that Texaco had caused massive destruction of the northern Ecuadorian Amazon, literally on my bus ride to the rainforest, our bus stop, because there was a break in the oil pipeline. And the oil from the Trans-Ecuadorian pipeline was gushing into the river. Thousands of gallons were just spilling into the Papayacta River, which is the main water source for the city of Quito. And I came back and said, I want to find people who are working to protect rainforest. You know, I started working at Amazon Watch in 2002 as an organizer around on the Chevron campaign. And Chevron had taken over Texaco, and I basically dedicated my life to holding Chevron accountable. So on various occasions, they would be organized mobilizations, and I would see photos of these emblematic leaders, you know, one of them being Gloria Ushigua. You started hearing about these women who were always kind of front and center organizing the women's mobilization or a women's march or a women's gathering. And Gloria and the other women and allies asked for support. And we organized a, a delegation to New York to go and speak to the UN and different UN offices and permanent forum of indigenous peoples, organizations like Human Rights Watch. And our indigenous sisters, they had really been wanting to organize uh, a gathering, a coming together of indigenous women defending Mother Earth and in a treaty, because never before had there ever been a treaty signed by indigenous women. So they decided to call the first treaty signing in New York, in Central Park. The Indigenous Women's Treaty, signed in 2015, calls global attention to the reality that estamos todos juntos, we're all in this together. Their message is simple. Everyone's health and safety is tied to the health and safety of the environment, including the Amazon and other rainforests worldwide. These forests are the lungs of the planet and provide protection from climate chaos. One of the signers of this historic treaty is Candy Mossett, an indigenous Mandan Hidatsa Arikara activist from North Dakota. Candy is a leader in the struggle at Standing Rock against big oil. We have an earth right now that is literally screaming at us and warning us. Look at Houston and and Hurricane Harvey and Puerto Rico. It's only going to get worse. And we have to be able to collectively fight back against this broken system or else we're all going to die in this broken system. 
because it was recognized in 1992. Climate change is real. And so ever since then, we've been coming together and saying that we're going to do something about climate change. And Gloria is one of the original signers of that treaty to say that we're in solidarity together as women. We're strong and we are going to create change and we are going to change the violence that exists in this world. And we're going to do it together. I know Gloria and I admire her deeply for her courage and for everything that she's been going through because of what's happened to her and her family as a result of her fighting back. She's gone through a lot and still continues to fight. You know, people are being killed. People are disappearing in the jungles because they're fighting back against this industry. When we say we're on the front lines and that it's war, it really is. People are fighting and people are dying. And they're doing it to save humanity. The indigenous environmental movement is based on the principles of nonviolent resistance, yet activists and allies have faced brutal violence from their adversaries. In 2018, Patricia Gualinga, director of international relations for the Sarayaku people of Ecuador, was threatened and her home attacked in an open challenge to her activism. In 2017, Rosa Moreno, a legendary nurse serving Ecuadorans poisoned by Chevron's pollution of the Amazon, died in the jungle clinic she built, killed by the toxins left behind in Chevron's open waste pits. And in 2016, indigenous Lenca activist and Goldman Prize winner Berta Cáceres was murdered in her home in Honduras. In Colombia, most Uwa children, elders, and medicine people still have very little contact with the outside world. Aura Tegria had to learn Spanish, study Colombian and international law, and become a bridge between the Uwa and the rest of the world. But Aura maintains a deep connection to her indigenous roots. Hay un lugar muy hermoso dentro de nuestro resguardo, dentro de nuestro territorio, que se llama Banarúa. There's a a place that's really beautiful in our territory called Banarua, where there's a really beautiful waterfall that becomes later a river that runs through our territory. We believe that this place is the doorway to other worlds. And it's a very sacred place for us. It's where we go to meditate, to pray, and to ask help from our ancestors. And... This place is extremely special to me. I hold it in my heart and in my mind, even when I'm very far away from it. Like Aura Tegria, Gloria Ushigua is deeply motivated by her love of the Amazon rainforest and by her determination to be its guardian. Cuando estoy hablando sobre de mi selva que voy a perder por explotación, a mí me duele mucho. When I speak of the forest, especially when I speak of the threats and the impacts that could possibly happen to the forest if there's oil drilling, I get really sad. It really hurts me to think of what could happen. But I'm hopeful because I'm determined that we will win. I know that we will win, and we have to because we have to leave our land for the future generations. Machi canta, 
And that's it for this Women's Desk edition of Making Contact. This program was produced by Women Rising Radio. Check out our video about the Indigenous Women Guardians of the Amazon at womenrisingradio.com. Thanks to Democracy Now! and Andy's News. Special thanks to Amazon Watch and Paul Paz Imino. Leila Salazar-Lopez and Moira Bierce of Amazon Watch served as our translators for this program. All music by Maria de Lime Dorsey. Women Rising Radio's producer is Lynn Feinerman. Our audio engineer is Stephanie Welch. And I'm your host, Sandina Robbins.